0: And welcome back to the cover three podcast here on CBS sports week five, almost in the books pack 12 after dark, likely to keep us up until 4 a.m. But we are here. Tom Frenelli, Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson, uh, week five instant reaction show. Thank you so much to those of you who uh, went and gave us a five star review, gave us a rating, some kind words. Some people just came out just to, just to say something nice about us. And we appreciate that. Um, UCF fans don't love us as much. That's okay because I ride for the UConn Huskies. Um, and so we will be getting later in the show to some of those questions. And if you want to do that in the future, that will always be a way to get your questions answered on the instant reaction show. So whether uh, you want to hear the origin story of the dentist or whether you want to find out who Tom wants to see as the next head coach in Champagne, and many more questions, they will be answered later. Gentlemen, it is 11:55 on the East Coast. How are y'all doing in Central Time?
2: Uh, I'm good because for the first time this season, no matter what happens in this Washington State uh, Utah game, the Six Pack is going to have a winning record on the week. Whew. Good to hear. Yeah, this, oh, good to feel.
1: The old old chipper had one of his classic. Chip weeks where he went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and one mm. for the big guy. Love so to see it. You're feeling good. Yeah, the absolutely. Syndic- the syndicate had a, had a its best week of the of the year so far. So, uh, yeah, man, things are good in the Central Time Zone.
0: Little bit of life, little bit of life in the locks. Um, but you know, without without gloating too much about it. So, where uh, where do you
1: guys want to start? Y'all guys want to talk about what happened in Chapel Hill? Yeah, you uh, you were on the scene, right? Yeah, I was. I think that's a great place to start.
0: Uh, do y'all believe that Clemson is the best team in college football?
1: No. Uh, well, let, let me – let me. I think there's two questions. Like the, the question of who's going to win the national championship is different to me than who has shown themselves to be the best team in the country based on what we've seen and what we know. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No, like, I, I agree. I don't think I, – I think you can still make a strong case that Clemson's going to win the national championship. But I think if you're making a case that Clemson should be ranked number one, then you're – I don't know how you defend that. Because it's not like they're playing great teams and they haven't looked great yet. And there's another team that had a heck of a day today that's probably a better candidate. But there's probably a couple teams that are pretty good candidates. So, no, I think – I think that there's still every you know there's still Clemson but today was and today was your classic Clemson letdown. I mean they do it every year. So we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't distress about it, but we should still also I think take it into account as when we compare it to other teams.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the thing that's so interesting. Because for people like us who are asked to literally rank teams, rank 130 of them every single week, and and talk about who we think is better on CBS Sports HQ and and here on the podcast and everywhere else on radio hits across the country, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that we we are going to pick them apart. And my big takeaway was like, oh, oh, they don't care. They they really have embraced like the whole. Um, just got to win by a point. That's all we got to do. You know, I don't want to hear feels like a loss. We're going to learn lessons today. We just got to win by one point. Like They do not care about looking like the best team in the country because through what they've done uh, over the last several years, there is like the belief from Dabo Sweeney on down, all we got to do is go win the ACC championship. And if we go win the ACC championship – we well, we should have a shot at the national championship, and I don't know if that's totally true this year. I don't know if Clemson can afford to have the loss to Syracuse or have the loss to Pittsburgh because of the way the rest of the ACC is. But they didn't they didn't seem to care. Trevor Lawrence was totally fine. He said, "Yeah, you know, he was 18 for 30. Had some overthrows. Had a bad performance. Only 205 yards passing. But he was he was fine. He's like, we'll learn a lot. This will be cool." And they're just happy to go and get into the off week, and that's like a disconnect that we have from what we expect of them, and even what they expect of themselves.
1: Well, so I want to get into the micro and and talk about the game and all the games, but uh, from a macro standpoint, though, I think this that's what makes this year so fun. Is is usually it's it's a Clemson Alabama March to you know championship game, or it's whoever it is like Florida State, Oregon or you know there's there's like two teams I, I really think at this week 4 or 5 stage there's um, the, the list is almost growing more than it's shrinking and and teams like Clemson look more vulnerable than we gave them credit for before the season and so because of that I mean if Clemson goes and – if if they, if, they if, if North Carolina got that two point conversion today, there, there, there's a there's a there's a big gap between like their likelihood before and after of getting into the playoffs. Like yes. that doesn't it's no longer just oh it's just Syracuse. As long as they win this the the ACC, it's still Clemson. It's like no no, no. like. Now all of a sudden you got to look better than Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, maybe Wisconsin, maybe Penn State, like th- there's all these options. So I think that that tightens things up for these teams.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I've been saying for weeks, ever since we saw you know Florida State blow the lead against Boise in week one and we've realized how pedestrian Syracuse is, their biggest opponent this year is going to be boredom and they're bored. And it's clear. And the, to me, I think what sticks out to me is we saw them last year and the year before. They've had these kind of games where they just kind of you know, go through the motions and then in the end they win because they are clumsy and they are better. But what's more concerning to me is what you brought up earlier, Chip. It's that Trevor Lawrence just doesn't look very good, at least not on the Trevor Lawrence scale. I think he looks better than most quarterbacks in the country, but comparing what he was in the playoff last year and over the second half of last season – He's just kind of not, you know, he's he's not making huge mistakes. He didn't have any, you know, interceptions today, which was a nice start for him. But it's just overall, it's it's not that impressive. And I feel like he's kind of like a reflection of what Clemson has been to me so far this year, where I think they're going to win the ACC, and I think they're going to sleepwalk to a 13-0 record while doing it because I just don't know that there's anybody in that conference that can really challenge them or beat them. Although, you know, obviously North Carolina almost did today. But I, I'm not concerned. They, but I, at the same time, I don't think they deserve to be number one right now. I think they're going to get to the playoff. But again, if they had lost today, and if North Carolina converts that two point conversion, they're probably still going to win the ACC. But their margin of error is a lot thinner than it had been. So I feel like Dabo can say, like he said, you know, I know we're just supposed to show up, and you know everybody thinks we're going to kill whoever we play, but you know that's a good team, blah blah blah, and that's fine because it's true. But I would I would hope that behind closed doors, Davo's maybe getting in his team's ass a little bit this week because they have to look better than they did today if they want to win another national title. And I think it's that simple. They could play like this during the regular season; they can get to the playoff. But if you're playing like this, I don't think college kids can just flip the switch.
0: Pastor Do da- yeah, Pastor Davo had a really funny look on his face, a big ass grin. When he started talking about what film session on Monday is going to be like, he said, truth will come out on mental Mondays. We'll get our mind right. <laughs> I mean, they had three false starts. They had uh, 12 men on the field penalty. They had an illegal procedure. I mean, it was, there were some dumb, dumb, dumb mistakes by this Clemson football team on Saturday.
2: Was Clemson caught looking ahead to its bye week?
0: all right so Barton where do you want to go on the the micro
1: well I just I mean I I I would just like to hear what you like took away from being up close and personal in the game I mean is it sounds like yeah I mean it's like what what was your take like was it was did did you feel like North Carolina was really good did you feel like Clemson really played bad I when I watch Clemson it's not as if I come away thinking that they are are not a good team. Um, oh
0: no, but they they got lured into the trap.
1: Um, so what was what was your what was your what were your takeaways? from so the, from the actual game,
0: North Carolina knew that Clemson was a more talented team and a deeper team, and so North Carolina wanted to lure Clemson uh, into a game that was going to involve you know long drives. Like they they ran no huddle, but they took their time. I mean. Do you know how long that last drive was? North like Carolina. Eight days. Eight and a half minutes. They spent more than half of the fourth quarter. There were two scoreless quarters for Clemson. A lot of field position, a lot of punting. Uh North Carolina lured Clemson into a Big Ten game because Clemson was deeper and more talented. And because Clemson kept making mistakes it couldn't put together those 8, 9, 10 play drives that North Carolina was kind of challenging them to. I mean, I thought it was brilliant uh, coaching by Mack Brown, Phil Longo, Jay Bateman. Like, the North Carolina staff, they cooked it up. Like, North Carolina outcoached them, and a banged-up defense, you know, kind of outplayed Clemson a little bit, too. So, the the inside part was that, you know, the the putting two high safeties back. Just basically, we are going to not have anyone in there for Trevor Lawrence running, which is why he took off scrambling a bunch and then ended up doing quarterback runs. But we are just not going to let you light us up with your better receivers. And T. Higgins had a couple of huge plays. But, I mean, look at the box score. Outside of T. Higgins, Amari Rogers never really got going. Uh, Justin Ross had three catches, I think. Had one really big play that i remember but yeah i just i thought north carolina had a the perfect game plan and their uh, their defensive front showed up against the run in a pretty big way and uh i don't know the two-point try I've got no issue with they were north carolina prior to that play was three for three on two-point tries on the season two of those three conversions were speed options with sam howell and so, on one side of it, it's your your two point play, and you know, I guess you go with it because you never know what will happen. Put the ball in Sam Howell's hands and let him go make a play. On the other side of it, Dabo and Brent Venables both said that they knew that Carolina would go for two, and they figured the play would be a speed option based on what they had seen on tape. So, cuts both ways there. Uh,
1: it it strikes me as kind of like wild that. The the like teams, is it is it really that is it that hard to come with like a multitude of plays to get two yards? It's
0: because it's right after we'd get pit <laughs> right where it's like it's like they had three good it's plays. Like we were, we're out.
1: North- <laughs> like, we used up all three of our plays. Like we're ah, we're out. We Got to <laughs> kick it. It's like wait a minute.
0: North North Carolina only has two plays. The flip chart's just a front and a back for two point conversions. <laughs> which,
1: which one do we go with? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right
2: let's go short side they'll never see it coming
1: so that's how coaching works <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but uh yeah. but yeah that's I would say that there's like North Carolina played an awesome game outcoached Clemson and lured Clemson into just what they wanted which was let's squeeze this game and just keep it close until the fourth quarter
1: yeah we'll, I mean
2: I was just gonna say I was impressed by North Carolina's run defense because you know they held Etienne to 67 yards and his longest run of the day was only 13 yards. When Travis Etienne's explosive play for the day is 13 yards, you did a really good job.
1: Well, yeah, except like they're not the only team that's been able to do that at this point. That's what's kind of weird. I mean, a, a and we thought a, we thought that was like a big accomplishment. For AM when AM held him to something similar. I think AM held him to like three point six yards per carry or something. And
0: then Auburn gashed him for like two hundred yards rushing.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean So maybe we got maybe that's a little thing yeah. we should be keeping, you know, monitoring going forward. Clemson having trouble running the ball.
1: Something uh just something something to keep in mind. I mean he ETN he went for he went twelve for two oh five against Georgia Tech in the game since 53 yards, 3.3 3 yards per carry, 76 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, 61 yards, 5.5 5 yards per carry, 67 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. It's like, okay. I guess Georgia Tech's just really bad. Yes, I can uh, confirm. So I, I don't know. Well, I, this is just ultimately going to be much ado about nothing. We're all going to erupt like uh, – Rub our hands together. That's not what it is. What hand are we doing? ringing.
0: We, we ring our hand hands. Hand ringing. We're gonna yes. ring our hands. Yes. Yeah, we're all
1: gonna be ringing our hands. Um, and Clemson's gonna go undefeated, just like they did <laughs> in 2016, when everyone was saying that Deshaun Watson was trash, and then he throws 400 against Alabama and wins the national championship. So it's just it's just Clemson. This is how they do it. They really don't care. You know what this is? They don't you know what they this root,
0: is? I, truly deep down within their core and the culture of that program, they do not care about style points.
1: It just crystallized for me. They're number one in the country. This is Dabo's way of getting everybody against them. Now Dabo gets to get back on the oh, everyone's doubting us. Everyone, oh, we're oh, just oh, look, man, Ohio yes. State, they're pretty good. Man, we're just we're Lowell Clemson here. We're back on the Roy bus and we're <laughs> just we just hope we can keep up. And then he can just play his whole all oh, shucks game again and they won a national title
2: now what's, what's going to happen is on Monday or Tuesday whenever he he has his press conference he's going to be like oh so if, if you got any complaints about us not blowing everybody out email them to hashtag I don't care
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh
0: man um, alright so any anything else from that game that y'all want to talk about
1: uh, I think we can move on unless you yeah. got some more Let's see. Let's
2: talk about the mac and cheese in the press box if you want. Yeah. Two different kinds of mac and
0: cheese. A spicy and a non spicy. Oh. Yeah.
2: If you go for the non spicy, I don't want you listening to this podcast. But give us a five star review before you go.
0: <laughs> little uh nice little pasta salad there, too. I think it was a orichetti with some chopped up kale and some walnuts.
2: Sounds uh, fancy. Compare that to the burger that Dennis Dodd tweeted a photo of in Lincoln. I didn't see Dennis Dodd's burger tweet. Oh, when you get a chance, go look at the burger Dennis tweeted.
0: Okay. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about Lincoln because I did want to go to Ohio State next because as I, Barton, it sounds like you you kind of hinted at it too. You were early on putting Alabama number one, and so that is that's where you've been with your CBS Sports 130 ballot. You've shared it here on the podcast. As you sit here on Saturday night, are you considering passing that over to uh, the Buckeyes?
1: Yeah, I, I think Ohio State deserves to be number one right now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is all, I mean, obviously, this isn't a grand proclamation. I think they're going to win the national championship, but I think based on right now. We're week five. We don't have yeah. to be
0: making projections right, anymore. Right.
1: We like this is, and we don't, and everyone, and, and I think, like, I've already seen, so the, the, the hot take, or at least the warm tape take is, Ohio State should be number one. And then the counter hot take is, oh, overreaction city, they just beat <laughs> Nebraska. It's like, wait, wait a minute. If we really don't have that much to go on yet, we got a bunch of games against a bunch of teams that a bunch of teams are better than, then let's at least like, like actually dig into what, what has happened. And base our opinion on what has happened instead of just what we thought the the number one team should be before the season. And if you actually, you know, dig into to the results, I don't. I really don't know how you can argue that someone has a better resume of results so far than Ohio State. Yeah, they haven't beaten anyone that's that good, but Indiana's not bad, and they beat them fifty-one to ten. Indiana's a pretty decent team. They almost beat Michigan State today. They, they, I mean, Nebraska's not bad. They just beat them 48 to seven. They beat Cincinnati 42 to nothing. Like, they're, they're not just beating people. They're totally dominating. They're, they're taking their souls.
2: Well, and, and here's the thing on the other side of that argument because I, I was dealing with that tonight online because I tweeted during the game that Ohio State is far and away the best team in the Big Ten. And just so many people got offended because it's only Nebraska. But, I mean, who has Alabama played? Right. But nobody would argue against Alabama being number one. So if you say Ohio State should be number one based on how it has absolutely dominated everybody it's played, just like Alabama has dominated everybody it's played, it's the same thing. They haven't played. They don't have, if you're doing a resume best win, you know, like contest, neither of these teams has the best win in the country. But they've probably been the two best teams because. For the love of God, Ohio State went on the road against a Power Five team and was winning thirty-eight to nothing at halftime. Average teams don't do that. It's just they were absolutely dominant. It was ridiculous what they were able to do to Nebraska tonight.
1: And 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 the the teams that Alabama has played are very comparable to the teams Mm. that Ohio State has played. But like South Carolina is a very comparable team. Indiana they're almost like perfect comps (laughs) Ole Miss is a very comparable team to Nebraska in fact I mean Nebraska is probably better than Ole Miss and Ohio State looked more impressive in those two wins than Alabama did in beating South Carolina and Ole Miss you know Nebraska uh, Ohio State looked better beating Cincinnati than Alabama did beating Duke I mean I don't know that one may be a push but I would e- I would
2: put Duke more in the Nebraska and then do Ole Miss with Cincinnati
1: yeah Duke okay. just went and yeah. put uh, it uh, on e- either uh, way Justin yeah. Fuente either way there's a push in there somewhere and then there's two that that you get you give the nod to Ohio State and that doesn't mean Ohio State's better than them but but it also doesn't mean that if I want to make Ohio State number one based on in part a Nebraska dominating win it's not an overreaction it's just evaluating what's in front of me and I think more. I think more people like should take the approach that, especially early in the season, your list, your ranking should be very volatile. There should be a lot of movement because what your initial ranking was based on nothing.
0: Yeah, based based on what you read in the preseason based on some consensus of everything else that you saw with all the rankings based on whatever influences you had whatever conversations um, there were with important or non important people to sway your thinking you know whatever program invited you up treated you real nice gave you good quotes right like that's yeah yes. Yeah,
2: The me- the media overrating Nebraska in the preseason has absolutely no impact on how well Ohio State played against it and what it means. And I-, I think the hard thing that most people have, or at least I don't know if it's hard or if they just don't want to see it, it's we spend too much time worrying about who teams are playing and not enough t- time thinking about how they're playing when it comes to ranking them.
0: So I had the first half in the car as I was in traffic in Chapel Hill and then on the way back to Raleigh. And I was thinking,, um, I was thinking that the, one of the things that makes teams that are excellent is when you've got some built-in advantages like the talent advantage Ohio State has. And then the game breaks in a way where you get some some advantages. And for Ohio State, it was a bunch of short fields and it was turnovers. But the thing that makes Ohio State excellent and the thing that makes them really, really dangerous and most of all impressive, is because they turn those opportunities into touchdowns. And there's a lot of teams, whether they are top five, top 10, top 20 teams, who get those kinds of breaks and don't turn them into touchdowns. And I think it's with that just cold-blooded... Like, I love I love that, Barton. Like, yeah, they're just stealing souls. Like, they're just crushing teams. They are moving efficiently. If you give them anything, they will make you pay for it. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just... I, I too... Am jumping in on this. We need to stop looking at Ohio State as being this like the fifth team, which is a role that they've played now two or three times uh, in the last several years in terms of being a team that's left out, a Big Ten champion but left out because this is a national championship contender.
1: You know who I would I would allow based on evaluating what we've seen. Who I would allow. Someone to rank number one in the country? Auburn.
0: Mm.
1: I would allow that. I would not. I wouldn't like
2: it, but I would at least listen to the reasoning and not condone it as insane.
1: (laughs) Because (laughs) they played... I mean, granted, the A&M win doesn't look quite as good. Well, and also, today, the Auburn
0: but, the Auburn argument is who you played. And if you're going right. to go back to the, yeah. like, are we overvaluing who you played versus how you looked? Because Auburn has won games that it has not looked good. Auburn has won games that it hadn't played great.
1: Yeah, but here's here would be my argument about Auburn. Is, we, we, like, we've seen, we're already seeing, like, evolution with Auburn like week one, they survived against what I think is a really good Oregon team. Week two, they just got through it with a good group of five. 2 Tul- Tulane team dominated Kent State. Then we start learning about them. They win by eight against AM, but totally dominated that game. And then they play Mississippi State, who's a who's not as good as probably the people, you know, think of Mississippi State as being. But that was. I mean, that might have been that was like the Purdue game from the bowl, where it was just like get get this team off the field. Yeah, they (laughs) scored
2: on they scored on the first play.
1: So I I just think if there is a defensible, it is more defensible to have Auburn number one than it would be to have Clemson, in my opinion.
2: If you're basing it off 2019, yeah,
1: right. If you're basing it off 2019, which I think you should be, which I think people should be.
2: That's a novel concept for ranking. Somebody should figure out how to do that.
1: Well. (laughs) I've heard voters,
0: and I've heard, I mean, it's what? You're the top dog till you get beat.
1: Number yeah, one exactly. till proven otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, that's the worst.
0: That that it, Well, that's the attitude that's keeping them at number one.
1: I know. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And this is your campaign against it.
2: And um, I would get that if the team stayed the same every year, but they don't.
0: Okay, right. so I did not get to watch... Uh, any of Auburn Mississippi State, I was game tracking that one. I saw that there was it nothing was, to
1: watch. There was no need. To, it was, was like, it
0: was forty two nine at halftime.
1: The the
2: only moment of drama came, like I said, they scored on the first. Uh, Booby Whitlow scored and ran into Bully, and like there was like three seconds where it's like, oh my god, is Bully okay? And that was really the only drama. And by the way, Bully is okay. Oh, thank goodness. That is yeah. good.
0: Um. Well, I. So it is. Do you believe in the evolution, Barton? Let's let us let let's go back to my. These are my beloved Auburn Tigers. Are they going to win ten games?
1: Uh, let me look at the schedule here. They're five and zero. They're gonna beat Florida. They're gonna. They're probably gonna beat Arkansas. Seven. Probably still gonna lose to LSU. Seven and one. Beat Ole Miss. Eight and one. So then can they split
0: George, Alabama, George,
1: Alabama? I think it's possible. I still think they're probably nine and three, but I think it's possible. I think they can beat Georgia.
2: Yeah,
0: I think they can beat Georgia, too.
2: And I mean, Bo Nix was had his best game of his career by far today. That was like, that's what you want to see. That was who. You know, he played like the guy I feel like a lot of people have talked him up as already playing. Like, the, I don't think he has, but I mean, he threw right. for 335 yards. He had two touchdowns. He also led the team in rushing with 56 yards. It was just that was Bo Nix fully on display. And if Auburn gets that dude for the rest of the season, this is suddenly a team that is a lot more dangerous.
1: Yeah, I agreed.
0: Damn. It can be four teams from the SEC in the
2: college football playoff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> round robin.
2: <laughs> Don't be surprised when the AP poll comes out tomorrow.
0: And uh, and I think the AP. Let's see. I think that it, there's not much change up top. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and oh yeah, I think Ohio State could jump LSU. Wow
2: how how crazy of an idea is that? I know,
0: <laughs> insane. Uh, all right, so what about? Um, Michigan Rutgers? Do we just dismiss it altogether?
2: I mean, I you can't dismiss it because it was important. We we talked about it this week. This was a game that Michigan had to dominate. And Michigan did dominate. It won fifty two to nothing. It had you know, it held Rutgers to hundred and fifty two yards. So the defense got its act together. Shea Patterson played his best game of the year by far, although he still had an interception, so it wasn't a perfect game, but this was the kind of dominating effort you needed to see from Michigan. It doesn't mean anything is fixed. It doesn't mean they're going to go win the Big Ten or beat Ohio State or any of that. But, man, just based on how the season started with looking you know, pretty mediocre in their two wins and then getting blown out by Wisconsin, they needed this game. They needed this just to get their confidence back heading forward.
1: Yeah, that, that was a good call on the locks there, Chip, because, of course, they're going to blow out Rutgers. Yeah. Like, like, of course they are. I mean, they they have every reason to be motivated to try to blow out Rutgers. There is no reason that Rutgers should be able to keep pace with them, and yeah, they they blew them out. So nothing, nothing has changed. Literally, nothing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when iowa and iowa state play you just you you know. can't,
0: can't take anything out of it i know yeah. exactly what's going to happen it's going to be an under and it's going to be decided on a punt <laughs> that's a, that's the way this works um all right so what about uh notre dame over virginia because hey barton uh did you know that tom's a literary man no he he got very. He said uh, it was a Dickensian affair between <laughs> Virginia and Notre Dame because it was a tale of two halves.
1: It was. <laughs> I, just, I, I just thought he was a math guy.
0: No, and a weather he, a weatherman, a math weather man. <laughs> math
1: weather guy. Now he's now he's. A, a, bi- a bibliophile. You ever heard of the term Renaissance man?
0: The the fact that you just – I felt like you might have be, been slipping that one in just to see if our editors were awake on a Saturday.
2: I might have been, Chip. I might have been.
0: <laughs> just, I was <laughs> filling out tomorrow's top 25 today, doing my podcast prep, trying to figure out what happened to Virginia-Notre Dame because it was a 3.30 game, and I was at a 3.30 game. And all of a sudden, I got Tom Fernelli telling me it was a Dickensian affair. So tell me more, Tom Fernelli. How's Notre Dame's defense looking?
2: Well, Chip, it was the best of halves and it was the worst of halves. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought my biggest takeaway was yeah, Notre Dame's defense was fantastic in this game. And we, you know, we mentioned it on Friday on HQ. Virginia's offensive line has been a problem for it all year. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely a problem for it today. You know, Notre Dame had 13 tackles for loss, it had eight sacks. It forced four fumbles. Three of them, you know, it picked up. Two of them were Perkins fumbling as he was getting sacked, one of which they returned to the, to the seven and scored like a play later. The other one they housed. So it was th- – that defense absolutely took over in the second half because it did get off to a slow start. Virginia's very first possession of the game, they marched right down the field, scored. Bryce Perkins was perfect on the drive. And then at the end of the first half, it was a very similar drive where Virginia marched right down the field. He got protection – he found his open receivers. Joe Reed had a huge game, and they had a seventeen to fourteen lead at halftime. Then they come out in the second half. They surprise with the surprise onside kick. They recover it, and that's when Notre Dame's defense took over because that was like such a huge momentum shift, or at least it could have been. But Notre Dame's defense just you know forced the three and out, got Virginia to punt, and that was pretty much where the game ended because even Notre Dame. Here's the stat, fun stat, in the third quarter. Notre Dame didn't have a single first down on offense scored 14 points <laughs> thanks to those two fumbles at the defense forced. and just overall dominating effort from that front seven the secondary looked really good Kyle Hamilton had an interception that was really nice uh Aloha Aloy Gilman had an interception and I think the big thing for them on offense because Ian Book is still very much not sharp he's he's got the happy feet he's kind of you know he's looking to run way too quickly and it's causing him to miss receivers who are getting open but the good news is tony jones jr had 131 yards and three touchdowns and i feel like in the second half of the game especially they finally found their run game which is what we talked about after last week against george they've really been lacking those big plays and tony jones had a couple runs over 25 yards he had a couple runs you know between 10 and 20 so we finally saw them getting some nice chunk plays from the run game and i think that's a good sign for notre dame going forward
1: yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in their offense, in the, but I don't know that I need to have a lot of confidence in their offense with what they have on the schedule the rest of the way. I mean, USC could be a challenge. Michigan is going to be a challenge. But they should be favored in, in, in the rest of their games, I would imagine. I'm just so impressed with their defense. And 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 like one of the things that's really struck me with that defense, shout out Clark Lee, their D coordinator, is the way they adjust. And, and like, they always seem to get better as games go on. Um, I, I noticed that last year. You know, I, I guess you can make a case that Georgia made some adjustments in the second, second half and got some things going. But, like, Notre Dame countered. Um, they got better in, in the Louisville game as the game went on. They, you know, Virginia smoothed the ball a little bit in the first half. But by the time the second half rolled around, that defense had just fixed it. And uh, I just – I'm just so impressed with with the way they are able to get it done on that side of the ball. And I just think they need – I don't know. They need playmakers on offense, I think. They need need to get healthier at running back as Tony Jones had a good game. But I still don't – I mean, I still think that, you know, they're they're probably better off if Jafar Armstrong is adding a little juice back there. Um, They need more than just Chase Claypool as a receiver. Just – uh, it's just not – just it's the, the offense just doesn't give you confidence against the elite teams yet.
0: Earlier in the day, we had uh, Wisconsin getting itself – I mean, it kind of felt like Wisconsin was – I saw a little bit of this game uh, before I left and then a little bit more in the press box once I got there. It felt like Wisconsin was doing whatever it needed to do to just get that game over with. There wasn't a lot of urgency on the Badgers part from what I saw, and that has to be the most disrespectful thing for Northwestern ever, because that was like a spring game uh, performance from the Badgers.
2: Yeah, Wisconsin got into a rock fight just for fun. Just,
0: Just because it's what we like to do every now and then.
2: Because it's like, you know, like maybe like if you're a boxer and you're just dominating the guy in the first four rounds and you haven't been hit yet, maybe, you know, there's some boxers that like to get hit. So I think Wisconsin went out there today and said, I want to get punched in the face at least once just just to feel alive, (laughs) because (laughs) I mean, this game was it's 24 to 15. It was ugly. They only had 243 yards of offense. Yet at no point did you ever feel like they were in any danger of losing the game.
1: They oh, because th- yeah, because you have to be facing a offense yeah. that is capable of moving the football in order. And to they were them. not. Oh I mean, god, they're bad on offense. It's just who, yeah. That game, if you were betting on it, which I was, uh, bad bet for sure. But it, it basically, from a gambling angle, it hinged on like four punts. Like one of there was a. A penalty. No, Wisconsin drove it down Northwestern's throat, scored, stopped Northwestern on their on their first possession, was about to get the ball inside Northwestern territory, probably would have gone up fourteen point nothing, game over, you know, what else do we had to play for? Instead there's like a like a random face mask on the re- punt recover punt return team. Northwestern goes down and like sco- like has a 70 yard run and then scores. And then there, the, there was a muffed punt where Northwest Wisconsin was about to cover up 24 to three. And then it got muffs a punt. There was another like block in the back that sparked a Wisconsin run. It was just is in classic Northwestern Wisconsin fashion, like the most consequential plays of the day were we're not just special teams plays, but Penalties and (laughs) mistakes on special teams
2: i mean this game was what i expected michigan state northwestern to be last week and last week was what i expected wisconsin northwestern to be today
1: yeah Mm. that sounds about right
0: coming up on the other side more of our week five instant reactions and your questions with our answers next all right guys before we get into the uh five star review questions what else is uh burning on the notebook
1: Alabama's uh, still good. Alabama, yeah. Yeah. Devante Smith was actually my favorite of their receivers coming out of high school, and he finally uh he finally has his moment in the sun. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa. You're saying the man that caught the national championship winning touchdown hasn't had a moment in the sun yet?
1: He's at a moment. He's at a moment. Yeah. That's fair. That's that's fair. He's had plenty <laughs> of moments. <laughs> uh Let's see. The Oh, you know what I want to talk about? What? Penn, Penn State 59 Maryland. Woo! Nothing. <laughs>
2: Woo! Yeah, it was it was mostly Penn State fans who were very upset with me for saying Ohio State's clearly the best team in the Big 10.
0: Now, all right. Now, now, now. Now, I think that's that's a good way to start. I don't think Penn State is on Ohio State's level, but I do think that that win shows a separation from Michigan and Michigan State.
2: It does, but the the hypocrisy is the same people that were telling me that what Ohio State was doing didn't matter because Nebraska sucks were then telling me that Penn State beat Maryland
1: fifty nine to nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some hypocrisy in there for sure. Yeah. Uh I the thing about that game like all all due all due due respect. All all respect intended to Maryland fans. Maryland is. I, I I respect you. I respect your team. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is a. I am. It, it kind of makes me. Oh, how do I phrase this? I I, li- I kind of like that result. It just makes things more interesting, to think that Penn State is perhaps that good, that they go out in a game that everyone's like picking them to get upset, that they go out and just, absolutely just make a statement 59 to nothing all of a sudden like it feels like okay i mean ohio state is the is is the big 10 but wait a minute maybe maybe penn state is a force to be reckoned with and i just think that for a a, you know penn state goes and wins 24 23 or something then that's a little bit boring but a pin for penn state to win the way they did I think makes it for a more interesting rest of the season.
0: The total shutout and just squeezing the life out of that team um, speaks highly of something that we've been talking about for Penn State for a while, which is that they've got a defense that has been slowly coming along and there's been sort of moments where you've been like, man, they got a lot of good players. You know, they've got a lot. They've got a lot of stuff that they can pop sometimes, and I, I think that is very, very impressive considering uh, the way that we've seen Maryland. Because Maryland is not going to win football games with its inconsistencies and its home run play kind of offense, but to not even allow a point uh, when you're going to their place on a Friday night, extremely impressive.
2: Yeah, and I I took the under in that game simply because I wasn't comfortable laying that touchdown because I hadn't seen Sean Clifford like on the road in that kind of game yet. He was very impressive, and that spread was like six and a half points, which in hindsight quite disrespectful.
0: It was yeah, because it opened at seven and got bet down to six and a half real fast after the open. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. it was a it was a popular like wise guy pick for to cover for Maryland to cover or or an upset Penn state.
0: Hey, sharps are wrong. 40% of the time. Yeah. Never forget. You've always got that four out of 10 chance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, So what else? Uh, There was a few others. Uh, How about Iowa state Baylor? That was an interesting one. Um, My bears. Yeah. You guys both lock agreement victory there. That was like a, it was like two teams, like armed with, with like it was like a paper cut fight, like to the death. That just was like, just chipping away at each other.
2: That was a fourth quarter that got a lot sweatier than it was necessary. Because <laughs> Iowa State scored what twenty one points all in the fourth quarter yes. to tie it. Yeah, that was just it was
0: twenty to nothing heading into the fourth, cruising, feeling good. What happened there? Because score uh, game track, and I just thought it was puckering up.
2: Yeah, it's kind of that's I mean, Baylor, I think I think it was somewhat natural that Baylor thought we could probably just sit on our three-touchdown lead in this final quarter, considering we've shut them out through three quarters, and, well, it, you know, sometimes when you play that prevent defense, the only thing it prevents you from is, you know, keeping your lead.
1: Are you prepared to say that Baylor and or Iowa State can beat or scare Oklahoma and or no. Texas.
0: No. Maybe uh,
1: Texas, not Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Agree. Yeah, maybe it was might have been a year premature on my ten and two Iowa State call.
2: <laughs> and I, I just think Iowa State was a very good matchup for Baylor too, because Iowa State's problem's been the run game and Baylor's strength is running the ball. So and to, that what's strange is that Baylor only ran for three point one yards per carry in this game. <laughs> They just, so is Baylor good? I think Baylor is solid. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe them They're They are definitely in contention. I think they're that if Oklahoma is its own tier, I think they're the top of the third tier. Like they're going to be fighting with Oklahoma States of the world for that, you know, third, fourth place in the conference.
0: Mm. Mostly because of the defense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, they Iowa State, it's been a problem for them all year. They haven't been able to run the ball at all, but they, they didn't run the ball for worth nothing. They only had 2.3 yards of carry in this game. They could not move the ball. That was really their big problem. And then they finally got things going through the air. Maybe the wind had finally died down. Maybe that's what it all came down to.
0: Windy day in Waco? What did it end mm-hmm. up being?
2: Uh, it was too warm for a wonder, but it was in the it was in the teens.
0: Okay. Okay. Matt Rule, there you go. Finally getting going.
1: Um, well, USC, was, USC yeah, Washington. That's, that's uh, where I was about to go. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Top twenty-five matchup.
2: Matt Fink did not find the Washington secondary as comforting and welcoming as he found Utah's last week.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, they need to, they need to get Keaton Slovis back. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a feel good story, and I'm happy for Matt Fink. But um, that's not that's not the long term answer there. And and I think we saw a further establishing of Washington as. I mean, this is fun. This is a fun team to watch after the Jake Browning years. And it's not like they're putting up, you know, they're not doing Ohio State stuff or anything. But I I was I was about to say
2: I was about to say today reminded me of like a Jake Browning team, though. Because
0: of the way they were running the ball?
2: Yeah, like Jacob Eason didn't really have a very good game, and it just felt like the Washington team we've seen the last years where their defense was doing everything they needed it to to win the game, and the offense just got a little too conservative. I don't I, I don't, think it was really Eason as much in the players. I think it was just, I felt like Washington was kind of just going, you know, driving the speed limit. And I feel like it could have, you know, accelerated a bit and maybe made this game a lot better. More of a blowout than it was because I mean it was it was a fourteen point game, but it it was never one of those situations where you thought USC was going to win the game.
1: Yeah, the only thing in doubt was the cover. Mm-hmm. I had to sweat that a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean I agree. It's just you just feel, but I think that's the, that's kind of the point. Like you just feel like they're so much more capable. Mm-hmm. Like if they have to turn it on you feel like they're capable of doing that. Or I do anyways. I, I just think this this Washington team is really interesting to me. Especially, like, imagine if this Washington team was undefeated because they're better than Cal. I mean, they, they lost the counts, but they're better than Cal. That was a weird game, a weird night, a lot, a lot of extenuating circumstances. You know, if this Washington team was undefeated, then that it would be an interesting national conversation with where they fit into the... Uh, to the landscape of things but
0: wouldn't the wouldn't the response to the conversation be that same thing which is I feel like Washington should be better wouldn't it be even more critical if they were undefeated
2: yeah maybe and I think in a way in a weird way I guess what you're saying is that loss helps them fly under the radar a little bit
0: well maybe I mean I I don't imagine that Chris Peterson or anybody within that Washington program is very like too concerned about perception. I mean, they would be way more, Chris Peterson would be way more media friendly if he was trying to like woo the public perception to, to come and check out his Washington team. And I just think that I think they are exactly the way that uh, y'all are describing that they performed in the USC game, which is just very, you know, there, this is what we do and we're going to do just enough to get what we need done. And then we're going to move on to our next thing you know they jump out to a 14 nothing lead and we're just going to protect this lead and and finish the game and and move on to the next thing like it is uh it is it is perfectly efficient in a in a in a beautifully dull way
2: beautifully dull it's a good way to describe washington
0: see
1: <laughs> <laughs> <It is.
0: laughs> um all right you want to get to? Uh... Oh, come on, Washington State. I'm not feeling good. Not feeling good either.
1: So, is as we as we push through this pod, do we think that Washington State, Utah, is the better chuckle time game? Or uh, or should I switch it over to UCLA Arizona? Oh, I'll switch it UCLA, over to UCLA Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: If, if this
2: if it wasn't my Twitter tip of the day, I'd already turned it off. Okay,
1: UCLA Arizona's got uh, the Arizona starting a true freshman quarterback, Grant Gannell, who I don't think is that good. Is he? Has he looked any good? Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, all right. He's
0: had a couple like
1: big plays,
0: but. Mm. Not great. Yeah, uh, it's, it's
2: been a that's that game's been pretty rock fighty.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. The Orange Mamba asks, right? Tom, who would you rather see as the head coach in Champagne, Jeff Munkin or Willie Fritz?
1: Oh, that's Ooh. a great question.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. See, this is, this is a dueling principles for me because I'm, I'm a big Fritz guy, but at the same time, I've always argued that more Power 5 teams should run option offenses, and, you know, Illinois is exactly the kind of Power 5 team I'm usually referring to. But, uh, yeah, give me Munkin. I'll take the option. I would just – I it gives me a reason to watch an option game every week, and I, I love the option offense. So, yeah, I, I would take Munkin, even though I – if Willie Fritz wants to come to
1: Champaign, I'm not going to argue against it.
0: I agree. Munkin.
1: I, I'm, I'm still disappointed that we didn't get Ken Niamatololo as the head coach at Arizona. <sighs> Khalil Tate, what are you doing?
2: Khalil Tate. Damn you, Khalil Tate. Missed your chance, man. Khalil, you could have just transferred to Illinois by now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Barton, Austin Blunt wants to know the origin story of the dentist. You can, <laughs> you can make it up or just uh, actu- would, actually spill the beans
2: it was never, the best of times
1: it was the worst of times i, I would never make make up a, a lie about the dentist the, this, the the dentist story is real simple my dentist is a is a uh, degenerate gambler <laughs> <laughs> and, and my dentist happens to, to to be pretty good at it and you know he uh he, he got in on the action he won a few games he got hot last year he went 8-1-1 7-1-1 one one, one one, something like that and so he's he's become a permanent fixture on the pod start out a little slow this week but got back on track today with the hitting on the over of Ole Miss game
0: no doubt um Bama Tide 11 was wondering if we could offer NFL locks here on the show
1: I'm afraid I'm afraid not but
0: not, Tom's got something. That's where he, I
1: draw the line? He
0: writes
2: a he writes a NFL picks column. So yeah, I'm doing better on the NFL this year than I am in the college. I've got a winning record in my NFL in my NFL column, six and three.
0: What are you going to have uh, for Sunday Week Four uh, as your lock?
2: Patriots Bills under forty two and a half. <sighs> Unders in the forties. It's different in the NFL. It's not that big of a deal.
0: 42 okay um johnny pizza boy asks what does florida need oh his name's jason what
1: does florida I'm need gonna call him johnny like <laughs> johnny pizza boy better <laughs> what if, does- if you
2: if you're given the choice of being a jason or a johnny pizza boy why the hell would johnny you go by pizza jason? Boy. uh
0: what does florida need to do to close the gap between them and georgia do you think dan mullen can close the gap soon
1: is this, is this Jason or is this Jason Pizza Boy?
0: It is username Johnny Pizza Boy signed within the review. Jason.
1: Oh, oh man, what do they need to do to close the gap? Honestly, uh, I mean, I think that they probably, I think Dan Mullen is probably a good enough coach that he's going to shorten the gap as is with the track they're on. Just, just time, but the unfortunate bigger answer to the question is that they've got to recruit at a much higher level I don't I they're not recruiting at george's level right now and that's when you're not recruiting at George's level there's there's a big gap and there's only there's about four teams recruiting at George's level right now so uh I, you know we'll see I'm typically you are who you are as a recruiter you know if it's if you're gonna be a a stud recruiter it shows up pretty quick so i'm not sure that's going to change but hey if you you win some games they'll be you know they'll tick up but uh i think ultimately it's a recruiting deal
0: yeah i'm going to say it's at the line of scrimmage big time difference at the line of scrimmage with these two teams
2: some big beefy boys in Athens
0: big beefy boys in Athens so the gap the gap is with heights and weights and uh, star talent in the line of scrimmage. You need to close it. All right, musician 026 asks: Would an Alabama win seal the Heisman for Joe Burrow? What would it take for him to take attention away from Jalen Hurts and Tua?
1: I mean, did you see what Jalen Hurts did today? <laughs> Didn't he have? Yes. A, uh, no, I did not see it. He had. He had. Uh... I think uh, he had like 310 yards in the first half.
2: Yeah, he had a typical Oklahoma quarterback
1: day.
0: Well, he at one point, he had 40 yards per completion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he had 415 yards passing. Yeah. And 70 yards rushing. A just big, a whole long 70-yard day. I mean, so that that's the thing. Like, that's what's the – with all this – like singular data point conversations like if this happens then this or if I mean there is too many legit candidates this year to 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 close the door on anything, I think. I mean you could make a – like everyone's talking about two as some like clear favorite now. I mean you can make a case for Jalen being the clear favorite. Make a case for Burrow being the clear favorite. You can make a case for Fields being the clear favorite. All I'm pretty confident in is Trevor Lawrence is out. Yeah, unless Ooh. he really picks it up.
2: I mean, there, there's a really long way to go, and if Joe Burrow wants to win the Heisman, he needs to keep playing well, and LSU needs to keep winning games, and it's really going to be that simple. And then he also has to hope that maybe if Jalen Hurts keeps playing like this and Oklahoma keeps playing like this, maybe there's some you know fatigue voting for the Oklahoma QB.
1: Yeah, but the, yeah, but we've talked about this, haven't we? Mm-hmm. There's like the. Any fatigue will be offset by just the media love affair with Jalen Hurts. He's got a he's got a Twitter vi- he's got there's a, some some secret cam video out of him doing medicine ball slams in the weight room after the game today. Like I don't know he I, he may have he might just have like a really savvy like PR person.
2: Well, no, just, what's, what happened is he threw an interception, so he's probably mad.
1: Yeah.
0: You might be on to something, Barton.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, all the, you know, after they blow out Houston week one, he's like, ah, "We just, I'm really disappointed we didn't play better. Like that it had a little PR person in his ear being like, hey, man, try this, try this. Be like, be like, yeah, we, we should have played better. I, I'm really disappointed in our effort. See how see how that plays.
0: I don't yeah, I, on him. I don't mean it in a negative way, but there's a team. There's a lot of people that are supporting the Jalen Hurts uh, future in football movement.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, I'm joking. I know there's no one like actually telling him what to say, but uh I but I think but he is he is pulling at the heartstrings of the media in in such an effective way, right? No,
0: now. no, no, no. I don't I don't think he has a PR person, I think it's him. He majored right. he majored in communications. He yeah. t- he one hundred percent understands like the way the game works. And I think he probably last year when he was the backup, just kind of flying below the radar. I think that he figured out how the game works. And I think he's now he's
1: playing the game.
2: Huh. I, yeah. I think it's a combination of his communications degree and three years under Sabin.
1: Yeah, he's got a little of that uh ingrained in him too mm-hmm. i mean and, and I, I don't i don't think he's fake like i don't want this is this is all partially tongue-in-cheek but like i think he gets it i think he, he knows how to play the media but at the same time i don't think it's inauthentic if that makes sense too yes like, yeah i mean it's 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 not a it's not all some some game i think he's i think he believes it but it's but he leans into it a little bit too he's huh. not he's not going to be baker
2: no,
0: Mm-mm, definitely not. Uh, Se w- Se Wilson thirty four says, "My parents are Kentucky fans, and I went to South Carolina. At what point should we name this game the Mediocre Bowl of the SEC East?" Wilson, <laughs> I think it already is, my man. <sighs>
1: uh, yeah. So in that Kentucky game, that that was a bizarre game, and I d- didn't watch a lot of it, but I watched I did. some of it okay so maybe you can fill in the blanks here Tom like it's they, it was in like the fourth quarter early in the fourth and Kentucky was down 17 to nothing and the body language on the sideline on the field it was as if it, 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 it they might as well have been down 49 to nothing.
2: Yeah it, it felt like that the way their offense was playing I mean, they, they they have they, they didn't do anything all day like they got that touchdown late. To avoid at least being shut out, but Sawyer
1: Smith was just bad. Like, he must be still banged up or something.
2: He was eleven for thirty-two for ninety yards.
1: It looked weird when he was throwing it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. That offense didn't do a damn thing all day, and I mean, it was only a seventeen-point deficit, and they had the body language; they were down forty because they might as well have been down forty.
0: I like Will Muschamp's glasses, though.
2: Yeah, hey, he did look
0: yeah, good.
1: them. very pro- professorial. Uh,
0: moving on, uh, moving on up.
1: Um, yeah, that was, you know, good for them to get the monkey off the back, the old Kentucky monkey off their back. The Kentucky. The Kentucky. <laughs> Three
0: straight, right? That was five straight, five straight losses prior to
1: tonight. At at least. I can't – it's at least five straight losses to uh, to Kentucky.
2: Goodness. That is not something you want to say about your football program.
0: No, not at all. Uh, 3Packinator asks, Bo Nix reminds me a lot of Nick Fitzgerald. Way too much hype.
2: Thoughts? Um, Was there a lot of hype about Nick Fitzgerald?
1: There was. There was. There was a minute where Nick Fitzgerald was getting like first-round hype. It was (laughs) – Oh, I remember that. Yes, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't it died down pretty pretty rapidly. Um, but he had a good hot minute of like this guy's got it all. He's tall. He's got a strong <laughs> arm. <laughs> Dan Mullen uh, likes him. Dan Mullen picked him over. He he out recruited Chattanooga for him. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing so um, so yeah so uh, what was the question Bo Nix yeah uh, yeah no well the thing is Bo Nix is just freshman people like to get gassed up about freshmen, and he's you know the I'll, I'll give Bo Nix credit he's he's taken some strides and and the whole Narrative about this offense. Um, he's a fit for a Gus Malzahn offense. Was I think there? I think there's something to that because just it, it just all looks much more comfortable. And Bo Nix, I think, is the key.
2: I'm I'm betting this question was asked before tonight's game. I, I am too.
0: I'm going to say yeah. that they were they're different categories because Bo Nix was a blue chipper through and through, like just. I don't know, elite eleven guy, just different, different stratosphere.
1: So. No, but I, I, I think it's. I mean, Bo Nicks, like people were on it. People were on his. People were on uh, on him. For, <laughs> uh, for these, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say. People, <laughs> people, people, people were people were jumping Nampard. on the train. People were jumping on the Bo Nix train uh, with based on I think a little bit on like that Oregon throw more so than like the actual body of work. And I think now after today, the body of work starting to starting to match the, you know, the game one hype, uh,
0: mainly for Barton. Can Neil Brown pull in classes ranked 20 to 30 regularly at West Virginia?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, Probably. I think, I mean, it's hard to really know what West Virginia's recruiting ceiling is. Um, but I, I mean, I think, I mean, he, he, uh, Neil Brown recruited well at, at Troy for that program. Um, I just don't know, you know, you got to find, a, a, a kind of a pipeline somewhere. Uh, Dana Holgerson found a pipeline in, in Florida and they did, they, they had some good runs there. Uh, they got. I think I'd, you know. It'd be good to continue that. I mean, the answer to that question, I think, is yes, Candy, Yes, Willie. Uh, I don't know. Hard to say.
0: Yeah, I don't have a good feel on that. But I yeah. don't think West Virginia traditionally is going to have twenty to thirty classes. So if he does, means you hired the right guy. Um, let's see. Iowa State from Andrew. That was from Ted G in Virginia, who is very, very passionate about West Virginia. Good luck with that. Um, and 13. What do you think of Iowa state? Are they a big 12 contender? If not, what is your realistic expectation? We said what, like top of tier 30. I would agree with that.
2: Yeah. Eight and four, seven and five probably this year.
1: Well, but here's the other thing to factor into this big 12 stuff is it might just be Oklahoma and one big tier two, Well, one big tier two and then one small tier three. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah, they, they just lost to a close game to Baylor. They might win a close game against Oklahoma State and win a close game against Kansas State and lose a close game against TCU. And everyone else in that tier might have a pretty similar record. So it's hard. I, I really think it's... I'm not even convinced Texas is clearly the second best team in the division or in the conference. I think it's... I think there's a lot of sorting out to do in that conference.
0: Um, you make me crazy? I don't get it. you make me crazy Four asks? What are the, the possible?
1: The, the fourth, you make me crazy. <laughs> <guy?">
0: <laughs> uh, want to know what you guys thought with the possibility of Penn state, making it to the CFP.
1: Uh, whew. Tom, not, that one?
2: not impossible. Not going to be easy. Uh, I think we we kind of hit on it a little bit. You know, obviously the the game against Maryland kind of gives you the inclination or the the ammo to think that hey, steam's pretty good. It's it's probably for sure at this point the second best team at worst in the Big Ten East. And based on how Wisconsin looked against Northwestern, whether that was just you know taking a day off or just more of a reality for the Badgers could be the second best team in the big 10, but it, it's going to come down to pretty simple. Can you beat Ohio state? And then can you win the big 10 title? And if they could do that, then yeah, they, they, they're a contender. I don't think that once they got to the playoff, I th- wouldn't put Penn state on the level of being able to win the title, but they can get to the playoff.
1: Related. Uh, is Pitt just the most, enjoyable roller coaster ride in all of college football.
0: Alright, so Kenny Pickett didn't play in that game. You know no. that,
1: right? Yes, I did know that. Okay. But they also played Delaware. Yeah, it was Delaware. <laughs> they just beat UCF. They just almost beat Penn State the week before that. A couple weeks before that they get handled by Virginia. And then Delaware's beaten them almost all game before that. Yeah. Uh, I just what a what a bizarre ride that pit football program is on a yearly basis
0: they would they would get to the ACC championship game but lose to North Carolina it's the <laughs> only ACC team that Larry Fedora beated beat in the last two years of his time as a head coach and he did it twice doesn't make any sense uh, D gal 23 says on Friday Duke manhandled VT on the road with more flashes of their integrated triple option offense do you believe that a generally underrated Duke team could have a run at an ACC championship given this modified scheme and lack of overall quality across the conference this year
1: do y'all want to comment on gangsta Cut- Cutcliffe
2: dude oh. No, nah, I'm kind of upset with him. I was on the under.
0: Well, I mean, the, I I know what you're saying, Barton. It's like that's brutal to go do that to a man like that.
2: Yeah, was there is there something that happened between them?
0: <laughs> I think God. I think he smelled blood, and he's been at Duke for a while now, and he's probably taken some L's in Blacksburg, and he wanted to he wanted to get out of there with a piece of hokey Stone.
2: I was wondering, maybe it's because he saw Danny Dimes balling out for the Giants last weekend. It was just kind of like, you know, feeling, feeling himself a little bit, <laughs> like, yeah, I did that. That's mine. Another one.
1: So they were doing a bunch of the. Uh, they're they're digging digging more into the triple option stuff. They're, they're still they're still riding that, huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't call it a triple option. I think it's.
0: I think it's more. I mean, it's it's just option football. Yeah, everyone's playing option football. It's just
1: like it's just like Mister like single wing almost. It's like misdirection football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: In the same way that Auburn has triple option stuff built into it. Yeah. Good for, uh, good for cut. Yeah. Absolutely. Keeping it alive. Do I believe that they could make a run at the ACC championship? No. Mm, no, not this year. Ooh, it's gotten real, uh, real Homerish. Mason Hawthorne asks, "Is North Carolina the best two and three team?" This was asked
2: tonight. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, (laughs) we'll give it to him. I mean, you you lost to Clemson by one. I don't see any other two and three teams doing it.
1: Um. Yeah. So North Carolina. I'm just thinking back, like North Carolina beat does this like can we start does this allow us to recalibrate south carolina at all at all they just beat kentucky bad north carolina the team they beat that who we thought was only going to win three games i'm sorry the north carolina team that beat them that we thought was only going three games now looks like they might be decent uh who's the other team south carolina lost to Uh,
2: alabama and missouri
1: and missouri yeah. And Missouri might be pretty good, if not for that Wyoming loss. So, uh, I'm not going to let South Carolina off the hook that easy. <laughs> but yes, I'm just, I'm North Carolina is the best two and three team. <laughs>
2: I'm just talking it. North Carolina not bad. No. I mean, it's two and three. and I think it's point differential after five games is negative three points.
1: The thing about North Carolina is that every game they play, like sometimes teams – will win and look bad or look sloppy or lose and look bad and sloppy. North Carolina has looked pretty well coached, pretty competent, pretty solid in every game I've watched them. They're all right. Yeah. Yeah. They're all and right. In the Coastal. Hey, yeah. look. Pitt won the
2: Coastal last year being pretty much the same exact team North Carolina is right now.
0: Exactly. Uh, and finally, DC, spelled D E E S E E, asks: Given that, uh, given that LSU is at number four and trending up, and given that USC continues to trend down, did USC make a huge mistake in not keeping Ed Ogeron as a head coach? Yes. I think no. I think that Cocho could not be. The man that he is right now in California, the way that he can be in Louisiana.
1: Oh, yes, he could. Tom, you think that, that, that USC should have hired Coach O?
2: I thought they should have hired him at the time. Yes. Dude, he, what, what does he do better than anything? He recruits. He's a personality. He'd be in L.A. Being able to recruit. He hires good coordinators around him. These are all things that USC hasn't done a whole lot of lately. He plays a tough style of football. His teams are not soft. Another thing that UC- USC has not done a whole lot of lately, I think that if they had kept Ed Orgeron, I don't know if they're number four or number five in the country competing for a national title, but they're damn sure a lot better than they've been.
1: Okay, you know what? I I was actually firmly in the camp that they shouldn't have hired him and in that short period of time like you started to to sway me maybe you're right
2: I mean I think at the time because we were still basing our opinion of oh on what happened at Ole Miss and rightfully so because you know he was just an interim coach and you can't really put too much into it but I mean if you think back that team rallied around him that was a team that looked kind of lifeless under Sark Sark leaves O comes in And they just completely were revitalized. They had a coach that they finally thought cared about them, or at least cared about winning the game, and put energy into them. And they played fantastic for the rest of that season. And I think that just if you look at what he's been able to do to LSU, again, he doesn't have the natural talent base, I think, in in Southern California, although it's not like California's destitute of talent – but I, I just think that he'd be able to recruit. I think that he'd be able to get tough teams. I think they'd still be playing your typical, you know, USC style, though maybe they would have opened things up like we've seen him do at LSU. This is a guy that learned is clearly learned from his mistakes. And a lot of coaches don't do that. Oh has, and it's working for him, and I think it would have worked at USC.
1: Well all's well that ends well. Yeah. We yeah, got, yeah I don't yeah, think he yeah. minds now.
2: Go Tigers. Yeah, thank- Go Tigers! Go Tigers!
0: Tigers! No, I'm happy with the way it ended. I want, I like him at LSU. Oh, he's, so do I. Yeah, he's thriving. Um, all right, gentlemen. Well, thank you, listeners, for all of your questions. And uh, and that this was fun. We'll uh we'll continue to leave the inbox open and uh, and. If it if it continues to flow in, five stars reviews and the uh the questions to go along with it, you know, maybe we'll tackle them midweek. Maybe maybe there's just a Saturday thing. We're just off and running. We love the response and we really appreciate it. So uh head on over uh to the podcast page, five star review, question along with it. We really, really appreciate the love. Anything else that uh, y'all want to get out?
2: Uh
0: Dorian Thompson Robinson is out of the injury tent and he looks fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Washington State, you let me down. Are we going to get a backdoor my cover? Beloved Bruins,
0: can we get a backdoor cover with the Cougs?
2: We can, but it I mean, they're, possible. They're down eighteen with five and a half minutes left. So,
0: and our number is six.
2: I've got them at six. Yes, a hey,
1: Oregon we need State two touchdowns. Oregon State covered.
2: Uh, don't That's- remind. That was I had that under so cashed.
1: <laughs> well that looked that looked like it was wasn't gonna happen either so just just, just trust in, in the wacky
2: I think Wazoo just turned it over so there goes that
0: <laughs> alright that's Tom Fernelli you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli that's Barton Simmons you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons gentlemen thank you very much
2: thank you
1: Reserve.